Hi, and welcome to Restaurant Therapy Uncut. This is your favorite host and chef, Roderick P. Smith. And today we're going to be talking about um, the most misconceptions in the industry and some of the biggest restaurant secrets that you, the consumer, or some people that's in the industry that really don't know. So uh, sit back, relax, enjoy, open your ears. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. This is episode three. Thank you for listening and God bless. Today we're going to be talking about the biggest misconceptions in the industry, the biggest misconceptions in the industry and some of the biggest secrets, Um, some things that you as probably the back of the house don't know, the front of the house don't know, and also the consumer don't know. Um... I'm a chef. I've been in the game for a long time, and there's some things that I think is kind of funny when I talk to people who are not in the industry um, that complains or don't get why restaurants do certain things and not able to maybe give them something that they want or give them something and charge for it. And, you know, it's kind of funny to have those conversations when you're a chef and you know the reason why and you don't want to tell the reason why. If they're a close friend, you might tell them, but if you don't um, know them very well and it's just, you know, casual talk, it's like, okay, whatever. You agree, you disagree, and, you know, that's it. Uh, One of the things I want to get started on discussing is food costs. And, you know, the consumer don't have to worry about food costs, um, and they won't worry about food costs. The consumer only worry about the price of the meal, and that's it. As far as in the back of the house, and especially the chefs in the back of the house, need to always be concerned with food costs. Uh, the consumer don't care, like I said, and the front of the house really, well, most front of the house don't know, and to be honest, front of the house really don't care. Uh, front of the house is all about um, getting high sales, um, and giving you giving you high sales, selling you great food, um, high end food. If it is high end or pricey food, if possible, giving you a great experience and drinks and etc. So let's get started on food costs. Um, so a normal place, a normal restaurant, the average restaurant usually want to have a food cost between twenty five and thirty two percent. 25 and 32%. If you're a fast food restaurant, uh, you usually want to be lower than that. Um, a high-end restaurant, um, usually your fancy places, uh, your more elegant places, or even your high-end steakhouses are usually anywhere from 32 to 40%. That also goes with uh, country clubs and some some exclusive resorts. Um, it's around 32 to 40%. Some is a little higher, too, as well. Um, one of the things I want to discuss is some of the things that people just don't get. And this is all the above, front, back, and the consumer. Um, you guys just don't understand. When you go to a restaurant and the salesperson or the, the waiter or the server or whoever sells you or recommend you the highest thing on the menu, far as the restaurant side of it, or I say the back of the house side of it, nine times out of ten, the most expensive things on the menu is not good 
with food costs. It's usually on the high end on a food cost percentage. Um, things like lobsters, um, steaks, big steaks, um, things with a lot of seafood, caviars, all those things. Yeah, those things are really pricey to the consumer. Uh, what people don't know is the restaurant barely is making costs, if any costs at all, on those items. Um, the server usually don't know that, and some servers push those things. Not all, some push those things. And what people don't know is, believe it or not, the more high-end stuff you buy is not necessarily taking care of the restaurant. Or what I want to say is the restaurant is nine times out of ten not making a lot of money off those dishes. Um, most restaurants make money off appetizers, drinks, um, some if they sell you sauces, salads, and side items. Those are the biggest things that restaurants make money off of. Of course, if they have pasta dishes, um, or heavy rice dishes, um, some diners have potato dishes, like a big stuffed potato, things like that, that's what they make money on. They do not make money on the steaks, the lobsters, the caviar, the fresh truffles, um, things along that nature. Now, you might go to a restaurant or a place, and let's say you get a bone-in ribeye that is $45, and it comes with, um, it's just a ribeye, right? And they want to add fresh truffles on there. And then um, right then and there, the restaurant is really not making money. They're kind of breaking even or making very little money. Where they make money is is when you get, okay, I want to go with that steak. I want to add... Um, maybe some grilled shrimp, or I want to add um, mashed potatoes, or cream spinach, or cream corn, or potato leonese. Um, those side items is where they make money. When they, when you buy that bottle of wine, that's when they make money. Or that bottle of champagne, that's when they make money. Or mixed drinks, or specialty drinks, that's when those restaurants make money. If you get a salad or an appetizer. Before, that's when the restaurant makes money. Um, if you get a soup, let me give you a secret about soups. If a restaurant has a cup of soup and a bowl of soup, believe it or not, nine times out of ten, that cup and bowl is the same size. They might be shaped different, but it holds the same amount of soup. Now, there are some places where you might get an ounce or two more, and you're paying a dollar or two or three more. In some cases, that is accurate. But most, I'm going to tell you this, most bowls of soups are the same as a cup of soup. It's just shaped differently. Um, that is a restaurant secret um, that most people don't know. Um, going back to food costs, um, from a chef standpoint, Food costs should be not only the protein or the main item in that dish. It should be cost on everything that's on the plate, obviously, right? And most restaurants should add in what they call the plate cost, which if they serve bread, 
bread should be in that. If they serve bottled water, water should be in that. Now, for the restaurants who don't serve bottled water, and maybe you have a filter system, I hope, a filter system, um, usually the cost on the maintenance and the price it is to put in that filter system also should go in the food cost. Um, for restaurants who don't have ice machines or you rent ice machines, because a lot of you rent ice machines, and the cost per ice machine rent per month should also go in that food cost. Um, a lot of people in the industry don't know that anything that's non-alcoholic, um, anything that's water or ice, um, it's food costs. A lot of people think that goes towards beverage, and that is wrong, that is wrong, that is wrong. But um, also, a lot of chefs do not add bread, uh, bread service, or a mousse-bouche. Like, those things that you give away for free should go in your plate cost with everything else that you're plating. Um, so that's my two cents on food costs and how the industry um, really, really, really make their money. It's, the, it's one of the biggest misconceptions that if such and such go get that lobster thalmanor and um, that person get that 10-ounce filet, yeah, they check might be 125 all the way up to maybe $200 once you add everything else together. But those two entrees, the only one who really, really, really get off good on those two entrees, just those two entrees, right, is the server because the um, sales are high and you're going to tip on whatever that total bill is. As far as the restaurant and um, food costs, and I'm just talking about those two items, um, those high-end items, um, the restaurants usually don't make that much. But they do make it up on if that person got um, a bunch of a la carte side items, um, if that person got a salad or appetizer before, if that person got a soup before, if that person got dessert. Um, dessert um, is a really, really, really um, good way for restaurants to make money, too. And those drinks, if you got champagne, wine, or if you are a large family and y'all just got an abundance of soft drinks. That's where uh, most of those restaurants um, cash in. Um, another thing I would like to talk about is gratuity. Um, if a restaurant has automatically gratuity, you know, it is what it is. Um, usually on those receipts, they break it down. And if you want to add more, you want to add more. All right. Industry standard. Industry standards for good service is 20%. Industry standards for good service is 20%. Industry standards for great service is 20% and above. 20% and above. Industry standards for bad service is usually somewhere between 10 and 15%. 10 and 15%. You must leave something, um, even though that service is bad, just because, you know, these servers really don't get paid that much. And that also will be a teaching or a learning um, a teaching or a learning situation for that server to get better at their job so the next person and maybe you when you come back hopefully the food is good enough when you come back and that serve service is better 
um, that would be a teaching and learning moment for that server, anywhere between 10 and 15%. Now, if that service is horrific and horrible, then anything below 10%, and if you want to leave zero, I don't recommend it. That's just me. You can leave that. Um, I think it was sucks, but it will go back to what I just said about anything between 10 and 15. Um, that is a moment where that person would learn, um, and it would be a teaching moment for that person to get better and better, and hopefully, hopefully not get fired um, in that situation, whatever that situation is, to give better service next time. Those are industry standards on tipping your servers. Now, bartenders. Tipping bartenders is a little different. Um, there's people out there that want to tip per drink. There's people out there that tip based on percentage. There's people out there who gives a dollar per five dollars. Um, industry standard is 20 to 25% on drinks, on bartenders, if you're at a bar, or a dollar per drink, whatever's greater. So it's either a dollar per drink or 20 to 25% on a total bill, whatever's greater. If they're a great bartender, you can tip out the wazoo anywhere. Some people tip 35. Some people tip 50%. Um, I've seen many, 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 many people tip um, 100% um, on their tabs or their drinks just because they just have a relationship with that bartender. And, you know, um, usually that bartender is their therapist. You know, they probably see that bartender every day, and that bartender probably know everything about them. <laughs> So uh, that's just the industry. That's how it works, and that's no different if you're in a dive bar, if you're in a fancy bar, or something that's lightly ca casual. That's in, you know, something that has uh, craft drinks or craft beers, um, or if it's something that just serves PBR and Mickey's and you know things and all that nature. So, yeah, those are the industry standards on bartender tips. So. Restaurant owners, especially chef restaurant owners, have this pet peeve for customers who come in, and they request plasticware for the meal. Plasticware for your meal. I'm going to put it out there, and I think maybe about probably a year ago, I actually posted something on my personal uh, Facebook explaining it. So you go to a restaurant and you don't have faith if the silverware has been cleaned properly for you to eat something and put in your mouth, right? I'm going to tell you right now, you can get plasticware, but the plasticware do not change anything from that plate. It does not change anything from um, that glassware. It doesn't change anything from those pans and those mixing bowls, and everything that goes through that same machine that the normal flatware or silverware goes through, it doesn't change anything. So you can get plasticware. That's not going to help you unless it will help you mentally eat that food better or safer than if you're eating it at a restaurant that actually has a plate, glassware, 
and I'm pretty sure they have stainless steel or aluminum pans or mixing bowls back there that they're either tossing your salad, mixing your salad, or cooking your food, whether they're grilling it, sautéing it, or what. And usually those things that sauces and all those things are sitting in are stainless steel um, or aluminum pans that they hold in their steam table to keep warm and hot for when they serve you. So if you are a person who requests plasticware um, when you go to a restaurant or you get silverware, I've seen this too, when you get silverware and you ask for hot steaming water and you soak your silverware in hot steaming water, some even add a little lemon, um, you're making yourself look like jackasses. I'm sorry. Um, a lot of those people are older. And, you know, if it's your mother or your grandmother or whatever, I apologize if this comes off wrong. But um, they're wasting their time and they're kind of embarrassing themselves. And usually if you're with them and you don't do that and you see that, you know you're being embarrassed. And that's really not cool with the ownership or managers or really a server when they're serving you. That put them in a bad situation because it's giving a perception that the restaurant is dirty or you don't trust the methods that they have in the back of the kitchen to clean um, their silverwares or everything properly and polish them. Some places polish them too as well um, to have on a table or rolled up in um, linen to serve you. That's a little embarrassing. So I'm just going to let you know for the people who actually request plastic wear or to-go wear or whatever to eat their food, um, you're kind of wasting your time. And I even seen that in the low-end areas like Waffle House. And it's seen in a Waffle House, and it's like, okay, well, you're still eating off that plate, and you're still drinking out of that glass. Even if you're drinking out of the glass with a straw, that doesn't serve, that doesn't save you if that glass is dirty. So you guys need to know that. Plasticware, straws, if it's still in a glass or a cup that goes through the same cycle of them washing dishes, the flatware, and that glassware, hmm, um, you're still you're not doing anything. You're you're kind of wasting your time, but if it makes you feel good mentally, okay, do it. But you're not making yourself look good at all. Uh, one of the things I want to talk about in the industry, um, the industry we love to death. Um, you know, I always say, probably every episode, it's the most popular industry in the world. Even though right now in this in this time, um, people will beg the difference because of what we're going through. But you know, that's always a good debate or argument to have. Um, restaurants will always be king because people have to eat, even if they're getting it to go or dining in the restaurant. Um, so another thing I want to talk about restaurants that goes on the industry is equality. Equality. <clears throat> Especially in America, we want everything to be equal, right? Anything from race to uh, sex to whatever, we want everything to be equal. In the restaurant industry, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, and much as you try and make it equal, it's not going to happen. Um, and what I mean by that, as far as sex and race, yes, all of that should be equal. Should be equal, but the reality is it's the same as any other corporation or anywhere else in the world. People get judged differently. Um they get judged differently, and, you know, you're not going to challenge 
the person that comes in to work on time every day versus the person who comes in late every day. You're just you're not gonna you're not gonna do it. You're not gonna challenge the person who sells a ton of your food versus a person who do not sell a ton of your food. You're you're gonna judge the person different to the person who's always having a nervous breakdown versus the person who don't have a nervous breakdown or the person who always calls it drama versus the person who don't have any drama. Um, there's things that happen and there's so many different personalities. Much as I hate to say it, everyone is judged different on those things. Um, and some of those things are also performance. Um, people are, are judged on a performance and things that they carry and bring to the table. Some are good, some are bad. Um, it sucks, but it's an industry that is always been like that and always have been like that. And you can have your HRs um, in place and your managers and your owners in place, and you can have these discussions. I'll tell you that right now. You can have them one-on-one. But when those owners go to another manager and discuss about you, and I'm talking about you as an employee and you as a manager, if there's a higher manager, when they go to talk about your value, your value is always judged on what you bring to the table, on what you bring to the table. And nine times out of ten, that's not equal to other employees that brings probably nothing or just not as much or something different. Um, it, it just, it's just not. And the job is for owners, managers, whoever, GMs, is to bridge that gap. So it's close to being equal, but the reality is, no, it's, 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 it's not equal. People get judged on different things because every person brings something different to the table. Now, if it's an incident that the same person brings the same thing to the table, uh, whether they have high sales or whether they cook great food and they both show up on time and they both are great values to your restaurant, and then that those two people probably going to get treated equally. Um, but other than that, there's so many different ways to judge someone in this industry as far as they value to what they do in the front, the back, um, that nine times out of ten, those judgment calls are not treated equal. And it sucks. It sucks. But it's one of the most misconceptions in this industry um, that people – should and will be treated equally, and those are all lives. You're only treated accordingly to your value at that establishment at that time. And if you did something 100 years ago and it was great versus to now, it's probably not great. You're going to be judged on what's not great, especially for chefs. You're only as good as your last meal as a chef. As a chef, you're taught that you're only as good as your last paycheck and your last meal. A lot of people don't know that, but that is the truth. Um, the restaurant industry that people don't know is the most intense industry that is geared to people who are 
who need second chances or third chances or fourth chances in their lives. If you can cook or if you can sell something, if you can wash dishes, you will always, always, always be able to have a career or a job in the restaurant industry. There's no industry in the world that give more chances to anyone if they messed up earlier in their life or they made a bad decision earlier in their life or they need to get back on their feet, etc. There's no other industry in the world that will allow you to come in and be able to make um, some money and a career and start over in your life if you need it than the restaurant industry. And if someone tells you something different, they're 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 lying. Um, they can say, "Oh, we're landscaping." Um, not really. Or we, you can pick up trash. Oh, well, mm, not really. You want to pick up trash? You want to pick up trash by yourself? You pick up trash by the city. You know, they do background checks. You gonna cut grass for what company? You know, all right. You only can go what co- what contracts those companies have. All right. Some of those big times companies probably run a background check on you know the contract employers, you know, depending on, you know, if you're cutting grass for whoever you're cutting grass for, you might be cutting grass for um, the government. You know, the government have buildings here, 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 and there. You know, they need landscaping or, you know, it might be something who are energy company, you know, like uh, JEA in Jacksonville or Georgia Power here in Georgia. You know, they can do those background checks to see if your employee um, that they can keep around their property, uh, no matter if it's uh, morning, noon, or night, whatever they need to do, um, cut their grass, uh, whatever. So, no, the restaurant industry is the only industry where you can get second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth chances in life if you screw up or you need to get back on your feet or if you need to make money in something. So that's what's so great about this, um, <clears throat> about this industry. Now, along with that, brings millions and millions of challenges because the rest because of that the restaurant industry carry a lot of people who are very educated very 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 educated and smart um eccentric it carry a lot of people who've been in jail uh who's been incarcerated it cares it carries a lot of people who are being addicts um it carries a lot of people believe it or not who can't read who probably just memorize um, the word tomato so they're able to make a tomato salad or they memorize the word grits because they didn't seen it a million times that they can make um, or give you a bowl of grits or shrimp and grits or whatever um, that dish is. So if you're not, as long as you have some type of work ethic and able to work and able to talk, um, and, you know, you don't even have to be able to read. This industry will accept you, and you will be able to learn those things with being in this industry and being able to making a career out of it. Um, the only thing this industry really, 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 really hates is people that steal. And people that steal, you know, is, it's, just, it's just bad, you know, in every industry. And I think every industry in the world just don't like people that steal. But that's the only thing that's like concrete that you will probably nine times out of ten do that in a restaurant if they know it and you did it on purpose 
get your ass fired is um, stealing. Believe it or not, the biggest thieves in the restaurant industry are your bartenders. Yep, I said it. Yep, I said it, and there's a lot of people who ain't going to like it, but it's the truth. Your biggest thieves in the industry is your bartender. When you go to that bar and you drink for nothing and you leave a huge, huge tip, the only the only person that benefits is the bartender. Um, when you're sitting there chilling and they say, let me buy your drink or uh, let me buy your shot, and you tip on that, you're benefiting the bartenders. The owners or whoever owns that bar don't get a lick of dime from any of that. Um, <clears throat> when they buy you that glass of wine or that bottle of wine or they so-called comp it, um, if it's in a restaurant with a manager and it brings it on, that's recorded, and you take care of that at the end of the night. But if it's at a bar and there's no managers involved, involved maybe a bar manager, maybe, um, nine times out of ten, that bar tender is giving you that just so you can still tip them very good um, later on. And what they have, too, as well is, like, cooks do it, too. It's a new term that I heard um, a couple of months ago is thirst plates. Um, you have thirst drinks, too, as well. And, it's you know, it's a term that, you know, means, you know, thirsty. You know, a bartender or he or she giving you a thirst drink, meaning that they're flirting with you or hopefully to get laid uh, I'll hook up with you later on. <clears throat> those two matters, and you get those from cooks too. When that person has been very nice enough, and they give you that plate, you know it's been some flirtations gone, um, going back and forth. Um, usually, there's some planning, of or what we call prepping. There's some prepping on things that's going to come uh, later on down the road, or they're going to hope that come later on down the road. So um, that's my thing on bartenders. Uh, yes, your bartenders are your biggest, biggest, biggest thieves, and a lot of people do not know that. Um, so the restaurants, uh, restaurants and small businesses, things that people don't know, uh, write-offs. You know, there's a lot of write-offs that goes on in this industry, a lot of tax write-offs that goes on this industry, and um, some owners know and some owners do not know. The big corporations and resorts, they know. There's always a write-off or a tax credit on how many meetings and how many training um, <clears throat> classes you have. A lot of people don't know that. If you're in a company and y'all always have meetings and y'all always get trained on something, yeah, that's because that company gets to write that off on their uh, taxes, or there's, they get a tax credit for that, and it lowers the insurance. Um, a lot of people don't know that. Yeah, that's why major companies that really big companies always have, like, the best training programs. They always have the best training programs because they're going to get that back at the end of the year. And also, it boosts and helps most of the morale in the company, too, as well. But nine times out of ten, they get a write-off at the end of the year or some kind of tax credit. And that's why they have all those um, trainings, um, all those meetings, all those things are recorded and submitted to um, the IRS or write, written off on whoever does the taxes for that um, 
that company. And that goes with um, stuff like, um, you know, I said training and meetings. Um, if that company provides uh, 401K, um, that's, a, that's a tax write-off or a tax credit at the end of the year. If that company provides <coughs> insurance, uh, whether it be uh, health insurance, uh, life insurance, um, eye, uh, dog insurance, all those things, that is a tax uh, credit um, at the end of the year. Um, also, there's places where if they hire um, certain people in a certain part of town, maybe it's a so-called rough side of town with that zip code, there's programs that's in place so they can get a tax um, credit at the end of the year. And that that situation is geared on what kind of state or city that you're in. Um, if you're in if you're in a city that has a large uh, population on, let's say, a side of town that's not so well developed. I guess that's the way I can put it. So well developed, a low income housing. If you get a large group of people from that area that work in your establishment, um, there are uh, grants or tax credit that you would get for that. Um, a lot of people do not know that. Um, that's why if you go to certain restaurants or certain establishments and uh, the people look a little different, um, um, car washes are good for that. A lot of car washes um, are in that program. Um, then that's usually the reason why that's one of those things that uh, people don't know. If you're in a restaurant or a cafe or a cafeteria that's in a office building or a school or a large hotel uh, where they have a cafeteria or a cafe for the staff, even car dealerships now these days have like little cafes or restaurants inside, those businesses get a what you call either a rebate for whatever their food distributor is, or they get a tax credit, too, as well for those companies. Um, yeah, that is the new thing that's going on now. So if you go to a dealership, whether it's Lexus, BMW, Chevrolet, Ford, and they have these little kiosks where they serve food and drinks, um, they get a rebate from the company that provide those foods and drinks. If you work at, let's say, a Marriott or a Hilton and they have a cafeteria where they feed the staff or whatever, they get a rebate for that company that provides those ingredients or that food for you to eat. That's why a lot of those places have those programs in place. And that food is usually um, pretty cheap is for that reason. Um, also in hospitals, hospitals too, there's a tax write-off or a rebate that those companies um, get on the back end. And what's happening now is grocery stores are starting to get involved. Now, if you go to a grocery store and you see a seating area and it maybe has a Starbucks in it or it maybe has a McDonald's in it or a Subway, there's a tax write-off and a rebate that those companies get on the back end at the end of the year. That's why your Walmarts, your Targets, your Kroger's, 
your Publix all all have those things in place. And the ones who don't have it that's coming down the line, they're going to get it soon because there's more money on the back end. Um, these are things that are secrets to the industry that a lot of people don't know. And I'm here to, um, you know, just share those things to you because there's people out there who wants to have markets. They want to have grocery stores or they want to have a restaurant or a kiosk in a grocery store. And when you get um, involved with these contracts and these, uh, you get to the table with these big wigs and it's time for you to negotiate, you know these things in the back where you can negotiate, whether it be a lease or whatever your contract or whatever your rent is at that moment. Um, I'm here sharing this stuff with you because I've been in all those positions. I've been in all those positions and in cooking school. And really, unless you get really, really, really deep in the industry, you really don't find those things out until you get to the table with these people and you talk and you have dinners with them or you go out of town with them or you share information with them. So, you know, that's what's so special about me telling you these things because someone now who can listen to this podcast and hear this, uh, they could be like, oh, okay, well, I keep that in the back of my mind. So when I go negotiation, talking to that landlord or that CEO or that GM, you'll know how to negotiate to get your costs down lower or get more money at the end because this is not something that people teach. This is something that you, you usually find out and it's usually find out the hard way. <laughs> you usually find out the hard way. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, that's one of those little secrets in the industry. Um, what people don't know is the large corporate chain restaurants, uh, places like Applebee's, um, Outback, TGI Friday's, Chili's, uh, Red Lobster, the list can go on and on, Cheesecake Factory, it can go on and on and on and on all day. Fast food change. Um, they're kind of in the same level, too, as well, because they're so big and they can buy so much stuff in bulk. So companies like Cisco, U.S. Food, Cheney, Reinhardt, they get with those companies, and they have these massive, massive contracts where they get tons of rebates on the back end. So that's why they're able to sell food that you will go to a mom-and-pop place or a smaller uh, restaurant. They could serve something, let's say, out back and have a filet that's six ounces, and it only costs $22. Um, when you go to another place, uh, a small business, they will have that same filet, probably that same meat, that same cut, and they will have to serve it for $30. And the reason is they're put in this position where, they have these massive contracts where they buy food at volume. They buy food at volume, and they can cut the cost down, and, you know, they get a rebate back at the end of the year, too, as well. It's almost like double dipping, so that's why those places survive. So some people, you know, as cooks and chefs who's not familiar just yet in the industry or even servers or managers, when you're not familiar in the industry, it's like, okay, well, how in the hell that um, Outback or Red Lobster can serve two-ounce lobster tails for, you know, $18. You know, that's the reason. It's because those contracts that they have with these big companies, and they can shrink um, the prices down 
to be able to get more people in, and then they will make money on the drinks, the side items, the salads, the appetizers, the beverage that I all told you about. You know, it's not always about that main thing or the blooming onion, right? It's just a bunch of onions that's been breaded and floured. You know, you go buy a bunch of onions at the grocery store, slice them thin with some cornstarch, maybe some flour, maybe a little egg. Trust me, all those ingredients don't cost that much for the price that they serve um, <clears throat> that they serve those onions for. And, I mean, just think how many onions they buy. They buy so many onions, I'm sure they buy it at the cheapest rate possible and some, and that's why they're able to do that. Also, labor. Labor is a big thing in the industry now. It's a crucial thing in the industry uh, because it's hard to keep cooks around, uh, which they are the highest, they are the most paid in the industry is cooks. Cooks, you know, managers, they are the most paid. But you usually only have one manager per restaurant. You usually have a gang of cooks, um, usually more than one, more than two, more than three. So the cooks are the most paid hourly, cooks and the dishwashers. So the biggest thing is labor costs now. So what a lot of these companies are doing, and a lot of people already know this now, those same companies that have the rebates and help you get those tax credits at the end of the year with these major, major, major monster restaurant chains also have things put in place where they can cut their labor down. So that's why some people be like, oh, I'm not going to go there because everything come out of a bag. Yes, they have things that's in a bag, things that's in a can, things that are prepped in massive, massive uh, warehouses that's been cry by bag or they've been gassed where they go to that restaurant and all they got to do is cut open, put some heat on it or throw it in the fryer and then voila, <clears throat> it's ready or throw it in boiling water then it's ready. Next is to cut down on labor because the talent pool. The talent pool is not that much around. So these companies are doing whatever it is what's easier to be able to keep this train running efficiently and to make more money on the back end. Um yeah, a lot of people don't know that, but yeah, when you go to these 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 um fast food places too, fast food places are actually the worst. You know, it's something that's in a bag that's already been pre-cooked. They're putting it in a microwave or they throw it in a fryer. Or you could be like Burger King and you put it through this flame broil, whatever mess that is. It's nothing but uh, oven on wheels. But anyway, <clears throat> but anyway, um, yeah, you know, they're all systems in place because they get things in large, large uh, quantities. And there's always money coming from somewhere else. Um whether it be a rebate or a tax credit or something else. Uh, so that's that's the secret of how these places really, really survive. Because if you think about places like McDonald's, um, even Chick-fil-A or KFC, the list go on and on and on. Those companies really only make money on like 35 cents to the dollar. 35 cents to the dollar. You know, they make their money back on tax rebates. Um, or, I'm sorry, rebates, tax credits. And if you're like McDonald's, to use that as an example, or Burger King, you're probably making money back on real estate too as well because secretly McDonald's is more of a real estate company than it is an actual restaurant. Um, yeah, so those are some secrets um, in the industry or some misconceptions in the industry 
that people do not know. Um, high-end restaurants, high-end restaurants that have towels, linen, stuff like that. Um, for the owners out there or the management out there, you need to take a look at your invoice and know that you get charged for damaged towels. You get charged for damaged linen. You get charged for damage if they provide you mop heads. If they're damaged, you get charged twice. When you initially get that invoice, you're already being charged with how many linens or towels or mop heads or whatever you get from that linen company, uh, rugs, you're already being charged a base per item when you get that invoice. And then they tax you on that, and then they hit you with, like, a damage insurance. So you're already been paid for damaging towels, even if you don't damage towels, right? So when you do damage towels, they charge you again. When that bin, when that guy come pick up that linen bag and that bin, it goes to a warehouse, and there's people in that warehouse or machines in that warehouse um, that goes through those towels and the ones where you've been probably cleaning the oven or the grill tower has been, those are being counted. And when those are being counted, they add that to your invoice on top of them already pre-charging you for the damaged towels on your invoice already. So you get charged twice for damaged towels. That's why the people who know the game, and I know the people who know the game, when a towel is really, really, really damaged, they just throw it away. When you have those deep cleaning moments in your kitchen, and those towels are just a fucking mess, you just throw them away. You throw them in the bag, you get charged twice for them. You get charged twice for them. Um, let's go back to food, um, of course. Um, a lot of places don't understand, or a lot of people don't understand, when they sit down they get a dish, that that dish is probably priced on weight, not each. So if you go to that restaurant and let's say you got a bowl of, you know, shrimp and grits and you got six shrimp, right? And then the next time you go back, you might get five shrimp. Or the next time you go back, you might get eight shrimp. And that's because those shrimps are based on weight. Those shrimps are based on weight. And they might get, let's say, 2126. Uh, when you hear someone say 2126, that's 21 pieces to 26 pieces per pound, right? It might be a place that get those type of shrimp, and then when they weigh those shrimp out, sometimes it comes out to be five shrimp. Sometimes it comes out to be seven shrimp, or sometimes it comes out to be six shrimp. So people need to understand when they're, especially seafood, when they're ordering seafood, it's not going to always be the same per each every time you go to order that dish. You know, one time you might get three um, utensils scallops as opposed to four. It's just all based on weight. So, yeah, you can send that meal back, but you're just wasting your time. It's based on weight. And, you know, the communication between the front and the, the, front and the back of the house, that should already be established where if the customers say something, they could say, well, it's six ounces of uh, protein. That's why it looks like that. Sometimes it's three, sometimes it's four, um, et cetera. Um, let's go back to drinks, you know, drinks, the secrets on drinks. 
there's a large group of people who go to restaurants and they think the drinks are never strong enough. And this happened in bars too, um, not just restaurants, but wherever they sell alcohol, they always think, well, this ain't strong enough. This is weak. This ain't strong enough. Um, I can't taste the alcohol. Well, let me tell you, if you think you're going to get more alcohol, uh, you ain't going to get more alcohol. What these bartenders would do, they might uh, save a little on when they first make the drink and put a little bit on the top when they give you the drink. So when you take that first sip, it seems like it's strong, right? Or they would take a little bit of whatever that liquor is and they pour it down the straw where you get that first sip and it seemed like it's strong. Don't ever think that you're cheating the bartender or trying to pull a game where you're getting more alcohol. You're not getting more alcohol. If you get your drink in a tall glass instead of a rocks glass, you're not getting more alcohol. You're just going to get more of whatever that alcohol is mixed with. So if it's rum and Coke, you're not going to get more rum. You're just going to get more Coke. It's going to be in a tall glass. Um, there's some bars out there that have a system where the rock glasses hold just as much as the pint glass. And people will ask for a tall, and all you're really doing is diluting your drink. Industry secret. A lot of people don't know that. Um, yeah. So, you know now. <clears throat> the biggest misconception with food is, is the starches, um, the carbs, the heavy carbs. So anything, what I mean by that is anything that has any rice dish, any pasta dish, any potato dish, any bread dish. Those in the industry is what we call fillers because they get you full. They get you full fast. And they're also really, 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 really cheap. So we would give you a lot of those items and whatever comes with those items, whatever protein or vegetable come with that item, if you look at it, you really don't get that much. Um, you're usually going to get four to six ounces of protein versus probably 10 ounces of pasta or eight ounces of rice. Um, you know, if you ever got a bowl of shrimp, shrimp fried rice, there's not a lot of shrimp in there. And if there is a lot of shrimp in there, they're usually baby shrimp. Pork fried rice, the same thing. Um, Alfredo, whether it's uh, shrimp Alfredo, chicken Alfredo. Um, that chicken is usually about six ounces, uh, give or take, you know. Um, that seafood is usually somewhere between four and six ounces. It's not that much seafood. Um, now, the way they toss it, it might look like it's that much, but it's not that much seafood. It's all pasta, cheese, cream sauce, or tomato sauce, or whatever that dish is, or pink sauce. Those are all dishes that's very heavy and very rich where they fill you up quick with a lot of um, pasta or rice or whatever and make you think you're getting a lot of food. And you are getting a lot of food, but it's a lot of the starches or it's a lot of the carbs. And those things are really, really cheap. And that's just a secret to look like you're getting a lot of food when you're really not. You're really not. You're really not. If you go to a restaurant and it's a celebration, right? If it's a celebration, birthday, 
anniversary, anything that calls for you to bring a cake. If that restaurant do not provide a cake, yes, you have a right to provide a cake, right? What should happen, and sometimes it happens, sometimes it don't, but what should happen is it should be a cake cost. And if that cake needs to be sent to the back and someone needs to cut that cake, it should be a cut cake cost. Some restaurants charge you for both. Some restaurants charge you for one. Some restaurants don't charge you at all. But it should, should, should be a cost either for cutting that cake or bringing that cake in from the outside. Now, it should only be a cost for bringing that cake in from the outside if you provide a cake at your restaurant. If you don't provide a cake at your restaurant, it should not be a cost. But if they bring that cake in and let's say you don't provide a cake um, at that restaurant and they bring that cake in and they need that cake to be cut, yes, it needs to be a cut cost on that cake because what happened is there's a server or there's someone from the pantry or there's a manager or there's a cook. There's or shit, depending on how talented your staff is, it might be an essay. That's a server assistant if you don't know what that means. Um, it might be, um, you know, whoever. There's someone who's an hourly employee that's been pulled from their daily task to cut that cake. Um, there's not a cake cutter in any one job description unless they are a pastry chef. And most restaurants don't have a pastry chef or pastry cooks. They usually have someone in the pantry that kind of do both. And you usually have to pull that person aside or a server will have to go out of their way to cut that cake. So, yes, that's why there is a cake cost. If it is a cake cost, and if it's not a cake cost, shit, it should be a cake cost. And if it's not a cake cost, and you're going to charge a cake cost, you need to leave that server um, a, a, you need to leave that server some more money, period, period. That's a lot of things in the industry that people do not know. Um, so I thought this would be a good moment to sh share some of the misconceptions of the industry and a lot of things that people don't know um, from a customer side, front of the house, or back in the house side, because these are moments where you can take this information, and now you know better. Um, now you know better. And when that server comes back and they might have a little attitude or that cook might stare at you, if it's an open kitchen, that cook might stare at you funny when you leave the restaurant, you know, these are some of the reasons why. Or, you know, you need to go to the table and um, you're trying to open up your own business, your, your own establishment, and you go into the table to bargain or negotiate. These are some of the things that you know. So this is the last thing I'm going to say on this topic that everyone on the planet should know. Everyone on the planet should know. If a restaurant is about to close, if a restaurant is about to close with 30 minutes or less, 30 minutes or less, unless it's a fast food restaurant, other than a fast food restaurant, do not, do not, do not go in that restaurant. I don't care how hungry you are. I don't care how thirsty you are. Do not go in that restaurant. If the restaurant closes at a certain time, 
and you make a reservation at the time that it closes. Cancel that reservation or say you're sorry, come back another time. Do not honor that reservation. Do not honor that reservation at all. Say I'm sorry if that's the only one we have. I don't care how hip, how cool the restaurant is. If that's the only if that's the only reservation that the the restaurant provides, because they have to provide it, right? Do not take it. Do not take it. It's not good for you to walk in a restaurant 30 minutes or less from closing. Because let me tell you what's happening. Every server in that building is trying to get the hell up out of there. Every server is trying to get the hell up out of there. Every dishwasher is trying to wash every dish and get the hell up out of there. Every bartender is trying to do their side work make the last-minute drinks, they get the hell up out of there. Every cook in there is trying to get the hell up out of there. Now, rather they going home, going to get that uh, that drink where they can relax and then go home, or whatever the issue is, um, they're on their way home, and when it's 30 minutes prior to closing, um, you should have the respect not to go in that restaurant. And if you do, which some of y'all still going to go, if you do, you make sure you get your order in quickly and get the hell out, and get the hell out. And if you can't do that and enjoy yourself, you need to just come back another time. If you're from out of town, I'm sorry. Come back another time. Do not go in a restaurant when it's 30 minutes left and expect to get the same experience that you would get if you had a 7 o'clock or a 5 o'clock or six o'clock reservation. And it doesn't matter if it's other than fast food. It doesn't matter if it's fast casual. It doesn't matter if it's uh, fine dining. It doesn't matter if it's ultra fine dining. You do not, it's bad etiquette if you go in a restaurant that's about to close within 30 minutes, other than fast food. And the only reason I say it's okay with fast food because it's fast food. They don't have to, most likely they don't have to prep anything. They go in there, they open up a bag, or they push a button for something to fry or go in these magical microwave ovens and push food out. So other than that, please do not, do not, do not, do not, do not show up at these restaurants 30 minutes to closing. I apologize, this might sound harsh, but yes, if they close at 10, they really close at 930. If they close at 9.30, they really close at 9 o'clock. Yep, that is the truth. So uh, thank you for everyone who's listening. Um, this episode is brought to you by Chef Feature Company, where Roderick Pete Smith have culinary products where you can buy and take home and have a wonderful culinary experience with whatever you're cooking or drinking. Um, anything from um, coffees to Bloody Mary mix, margarita mix, salad dressings, um, a beautiful hot sauce, and seasoning salt. Um, you can get these products on cheffeature.com. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and have a blessed day.